0: Thank you for tuning in this morning to the worship broadcast of Belglade Alliance Church. Belglade Alliance Church is located at 425 East Canal Street North in Belglade uh, with live worship services every Sunday at 11 a.m. For more information, visit us online at www.belgladealliance.org. Now let's join Pastor Kevin for this morning's message. God is three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in one being, God three persons one God and it's easy for us especially as Christians uh, as we especially having gone through the whole book of Luke together and the whole book of Acts together and spending a lot of time in the New Testament to focus most of our attention perhaps on Jesus the Son and so a lot of the things that we reflect on as Christians have to do with Christ we understand even the concept of God the Father, don't we? He's the one we tend to associate with the Old Testament. Not that he's only active in the Old Testament, but that's what we tend to think about. We tend to think of him in such grand things as creation and other such things, big miracles, and, 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 and being the one who Jesus heard from, the one who Jesus uh, d- was obedient to during his earthly ministry. There's ways in which it's easy for us to think about God in terms of the Father But perhaps the the unsung hero the one we don't tend to reflect on as much or understand as clearly is the third person of the trinity the holy spirit we know that the holy spirit is equally a person within the godhead we know from passages such as even the great commission that as we're making disciples we're to baptize them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit and the holy spirit is equated with the father and the son in terms of his of 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 his being part of the godhead and there are so many ways in which the bible talks about this wonderful person of the trinity the holy spirit and yet i would acknowledge that i think for all of us myself included we tend to reflect a little less perhaps on the holy spirit than we do the other two persons of the trinity and yet it's interesting where would we be without the spirit of god Where would we be without the Holy Spirit? I could just read passages all afternoon, and uh, I won't do that to you fathers who are looking forward to a nice lunch and some celebration. But let me just give some ideas of the things that the, the New Testament talks about in regards to the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is the seal that guarantees our salvation, that guarantees our inheritance. We see this in Ephesians 1, 13 through 14. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth the gospel of your salvation and when you believed you were marked in him with a seal the promised Holy Spirit who was a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory in other words when we commit our lives to Christ we are born again by the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit dwells within us. And if you are a Christian, the Holy Spirit abides with you. If you're not a Christian, the Holy Spirit does not abide with you. But if you have committed your life to christ if you've heard the gospel and responded to it then the holy spirit indwells you the holy spirit is present with you and his presence is a seal guaranteeing that all of the things that god said he did for you in christ have come to pass and all the things that are yet to be fulfilled your inheritance to come will come to pass for the holy spirit is that seal guaranteeing it the spirit is also active doing work in us perfecting us, sanctifying us, making us more and more into the image of Christ, setting us apart from sin and those patterns of the old self and setting us apart unto God. And we see this in passages such as 2 Corinthians 3.18, which says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And so we are being constantly transformed from glory to glory into ever-increasing glory. We are being made more and more into the image of Christ by the Spirit in us. And, you know, there are times when this is particularly helpful, this next promise, that the Spirit who abides with us, who is part of the Trinity of God, right, who always has God the Father's ear, and knows us completely and knows the Father completely, he intercedes for us when we don't even know what to pray for. Listen to this from Romans 8:26 through 27. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with wordless groans, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And so we have, even when we don't have the words to pray, even when we don't even know what we need in our weakness, the Spirit knows and is constantly interceding for us before the Father. And I promise you, this is the short, short, short list of all the passages that talk about the various ways in which the Spirit is a blessing to us as we abide with Christ and serve him in this world. And as we're gonna see from our passage today, there are numerous ways in which the spirit is involved in the ministry and the mission of the church as we seek to be obedient to Christ, doing what he has called us to do in this world. You know, I've, I started our study on Acts by saying this, and I'm going to say it again, that we tend to think of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, which we were in prior to this, as the story of what Jesus did, and then Acts is the story of what the church did. But that is really a false dichotomy there. it is the, Acts is the continued story of how God worked through his people. And the main means by which he does that is through the Holy Spirit. And we're going to see some amazing ways that he does that as we go through our passage today. So if you have your Bible with you, please turn with me to Acts chapter 12, starting in verse 25. Now that is the very last verse in Acts chapter 12. And you'll probably find it easier if you look for Acts 13 in your text. And so we're going to start reading there. Acts chapter 12, starting in verse 25. For those of you who don't have a Bible with you, it will be up on the screen as well. And here's what it says, starting in Acts 12, 25. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, uh, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, And Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, uh, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. They traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul, Sergius Paulus. The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elemas, the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elimus and said, you are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going to be blind for a time, not even able to see the light of the sun. Immediately, mist and darkness came over him, and he groped about, seeking someone to lead him by the hand. When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. Now, I'm going to draw something out for you here. It is very easy to read this passage and only see people and events. It is very easy to read through this passage to note the names perhaps particularly barnabas and saul to see the things the activities the conflict the gospel presentation the things that were going on and to focus primarily on that however if we take a a closer look at the passage we see that the real hero of the story the true protagonist of this particular passage is in fact the holy spirit and so First, consider how often the Holy Spirit is referenced in this passage. I'll just recite a couple of these real quick. Verse two, the Holy Spirit said, "'Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul.'" It was the Holy Spirit who set them apart. Uh, The two of them sent on their way by the Holy Spirit. They weren't just selected, but sent by the Holy Spirit. And Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elemas, and then gave him a rather scathing uh, comment. Uh, and so we see here that the holy spirit is actually mentioned quite frequently in fact at every turn the holy spirit is the one behind the work of god that we see here in this passage second there are elements in our passage today where the holy spirit perhaps is not specifically mentioned specifically named but his work is certainly implied through what we're reading and we know that he works in such ways from other more explicit Passages, And so as we consider this particular passage together, I want us to understand the role of the Holy Spirit. Because in the same ways in which he worked 2,000 years ago among the earliest Christians in the spread of the gospel, guess what? It's the same way in which he works today through the church. And while it's important to recognize what he's done in history, it's also important as the church to recognize and understand and anticipate What he desires to do today even through us. And so as we proceed, I want to draw your attention to four facts about the Holy Spirit that I believe are evident in our passage today, and I'm going to give them to you up front. Here they are. The Spirit equips for ministry. The Spirit sends on mission. The Spirit empowers and emboldens. And finally, the Spirit wins the day. And so we're going to see these together let's focus on the first fact of the holy spirit the spirit equips for ministry and we see this right at the onset of our passage our passage again begins with when barnabas and saul had finished their mission they returned from jerusalem taking with them john also called mark now in the church at antioch there were prophets and teachers and then it lists them barnabas simeon called niger lucius of cyrene manian who had been brought up with herod the tetrarch and Saul and so among the believers in Antioch there were those who were gifted in who had the capacity for being prophets and teachers so let's first understand what we mean by that you know we read the Old Testament we see a bunch of prophets what are we what are, what are prophets doing in the New Testament well the same thing the prophets did in the Old Testament they're receiving a word from God they are hearing from the Lord and proclaiming things to others It's not always things about the future foretelling what's to come. Sometimes it's calling people out because God has told them to do so. Passing on a message from the Lord. Hearing from God and speaking to others is the role of a prophet. Here in the Antiochian church, that is exactly what we see. And of course, we understand teacher probably even a little better. The one who, who teaches, one who understands the word of God, who understands Jesus' teachings have been passed on by the apostles and is able to instruct other people. But where does this gifting come from? Is it just something that we have naturally? Is it just something that, you know, we choose to just put into motion? Of course not. It comes as a gift from God and specifically we know in scripture, it comes from one specific person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. We see this in 1 Corinthians chapter four. I'm sorry, First Corinthians chapter twelve, verse four through eleven. It'll be up on your screen. Here's what it says. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them, and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. just as he determines now this is not an exhaustive list of spiritual gifts we see other ones in the new testament texts as well but the principle is the same that these gifts intended for ministry for the benefit of the community come by the holy spirit and we see that it's given to each one just as he the spirit determines And so according to 1 Corinthians 12, it would have been the spirit who was at work among the Christians at Antioch, gifting particular people as prophets, particular people as teachers, for the ministry of the church, for the betterment of the community. So what about in our context? Let's fast forward 2,000 years, halfway across the world. What about Belglade Alliance Church? I would argue that the exact same thing holds true. Now, we may all have different gifts, but different people are gifted in different ways, and again, for the good of the whole assembly, and given just as the Holy Spirit has determined. The Spirit doesn't make mistakes, and the Spirit doesn't leave people out or leave a particular need for the church unattended to. And so the Spirit continues to equip for ministry. I think, if I'm being honest, I would guess that there are people in our congregation today who've been Christians perhaps even a long time, but really don't understand what their spiritual gifting is. They don't understand perhaps where they would best fit in ministry for the, for the good of the whole. But not being aware of those facts does not mean that the Spirit overlooked you, or the Spirit decided you weren't worthy of a gift, or that there's not a need that the Spirit desires for you to uh, plug into and fix or get involved with I think rather we need to seek from the spirit, what is the gift that he has given us and for what purpose? What is the ministry within our church community for which he might be calling me? Where can I contribute to the good of the whole? And I promise you that me and your elders are willing to talk with you about that. In fact, we would love for you to do that because imagine if all of us, just even those who are part of our church family who are here today, Imagine if all of us understood our gifting and were willing to step out and use it for the good of the community. Can you imagine how ministry in this church and what goes out from this church wouldn't wouldn't just grow but be multiplied exponentially? And so we need to own that. For the Spirit gifts and we need to be willing to be aware of that and to use it. The Spirit equips for ministry. Here's the second fact I see in our text today that the Spirit sends on mission. The Spirit sends people on mission. We see this in verses 2 through 4. It says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. And so, first of all, I love this. this, The Spirit has a role, and we have a role as the church, right? The Spirit is the one who identified and sends off these individuals for mission. But it is the church that fasted and prayed. It is the church that laid hands on and commissioned. It is the church that discerned and recognized that the Spirit was calling these individuals and were behind them, commissioning them for the work that the Spirit had called them to. You know, we tend to think of the Apostle Paul. You know, with his numerous missionary journeys, his his travel and church planting, his evangelism and discipleship and leadership development, we think about the numerous epistles to churches around the Roman Empire that he wrote, his worldwide ministry, right? This is the picture we have of this man. And yet, as our passage begins, Paul is merely one of those in this assembly, this church at Antioch. He's given up his previous life within the Jewish religious leadership when he committed his life to Christ. He'd fled back to his home in Tarsus to escape uh, the, the plot of the Jewish leaders to kill him. And Barnabas, having been sent by the apostles to Antioch, swung by Tarsus on his way back to pick Paul up and take him with him. And they stayed there at Antioch, ministering and sharing the gospel with others for a period of a year, it says until the Holy Spirit changed his plans again. He was now being commissioned to go off to the mission field. The text says, The Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Now here's an important thing for us to understand. Something perhaps we take for granted. If the Spirit had had said, Set apart Simeon and Lucius, they would have been the ones to go. And as we consider all that Paul accomplishes in his missionary journeys, it all began with the Spirit selecting him and commissioning him to the task for which he had called him. So who does the Spirit send? And I I know there's people here probably thinking, I hope not me. Who does the Spirit send? Who does the Spirit send? The Spirit sends missionaries. I really hope you know that right because we've we've had a number of them come visit our church even recently Uh, the Spirit does raise up and send those who are commissioned to uproot and go somewhere perhaps somewhere they've never been before somewhere they ever dreamed of going before like Paul and Barnabas and they go and we've heard their stories and how God has blessed different people groups and brought the gospel to different nations by these missionaries But I have to say this, that the spirit might call any believer to any people for any task at any time. I'm gonna say it again. The spirit could call any believer at any time to any people group for any task, any time. And so I have a feeling that many of us just have this notion that this is what I do. And we're not necessarily open to the fact that the spirit might in fact knock on our door. Paul didn't know that he was going to be sent. The Spirit called, and he answered the call. So what about us? What about you? What about me? Are we open to the possibility that the Spirit would call us to the mission field? Are we open, are we even listening? In case he does, are we listening or have we placed it so far outside of what we consider possible that we would not hear the call even if it came in today? Have we sensed the prompting of the Holy Spirit perhaps, sensed it when we're reading the Bible in passages perhaps such as this during a missions Ephesus Sunday or in times of prayer and quickly dismissed it? No, not me. That's not going to happen. The truth is the Spirit may call you to the mission field far away. The Spirit may call you to the mission field close to home, perhaps to another state or another county or to join a missions organization right here in our midst uh, or even to start one. The Spirit may call you to a particular people group or to a particular family or even to a particular person right here in Belglade, and that is your mission field. The Spirit may call you to a long-term commitment or to a particular momentary opportunity before you. But here's the real question. Are you listening? And are you available if the Spirit calls on you? The Spirit is the one who sends on mission, the same Spirit who indwells us and empowers for ministry. The same Spirit we read of that worked 2,000 years ago works in the church today, and it is the Spirit who sends on mission. Here's the third fact. The Spirit empowers and emboldens. The Spirit empowers and emboldens. For some of us, that just sounds great because I need some empowering and emboldening if we're even going to talk about ministry and mission. But guess what? The Spirit does this. We read about this in verses 5 through 11. Here's what it says. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. They traveled through the whole island until they reached, until they came to Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul Sergius Paulus the proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. Well, that sounds good so far. But Elemus, the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Uh Uh-oh, we have conflict in our midst. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the holy spirit looked straight at olemas and said you are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right you are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery will you never stop perverting the right ways of the lord now the hand of the lord is against you you're going to be blind for a time not even able to see the light of the sun immediately mist and darkness came over him and he groped about seeking someone to lead him by the hand now, I want you to understand something here you know we read these moments of Paul and we're like yeah that's Paul he's crazy he'll just say it like it is do you realize that this is the same Paul who not long ago in our in our book of Acts was being lowered in a basket out a window because there was a plot to kill him who had to flee to his home his home area of Tarsus because if he stayed in Jerusalem he probably would have been killed And so he fled for his life. Guess what? He wasn't crazy, he wanted to preserve his life. But here in this moment, he is speaking very harshly, directly, to an attendant of the proconsul. So who is a proconsul? The Roman Empire is the power of the world. The Senate uh, is in charge of appointing consuls to different regions. In each region, a consul might appoint proconsuls who rule a specific area within that region. And so this proconsul who was interested in hearing the word of God was called, was a Roman citizen on mission appointed by the Senate to rule over this particular area and this man this false prophet Bar Jesus was his attendant he was on his side he was part of his entourage and if he didn't like what Paul had to say to Bar Jesus Believe me, Paul might have ended up crucified on the side of a road. He might have ended up in a a prison to just sit there and rot. Any number of things could have happened to Paul. But Paul was not just empowered, but emboldened by the Spirit and was willing to proclaim the truth of God despite what consequences may fall. Paul had boldness, boldness and even the words to say from God in this moment so what if I told you that behind this door right here to the surprise of everybody including my staff I have about 15 non-Christians who I'm about to bring in right now and pair up with people right here in our congregation and you're going to have an opportunity to proclaim the gospel to them they're prepared for it and they're going to listen to you how would you feel about that right now Raise your hand if you're really hoping I don't have 15 non-Christians <laughs> sitting behind the door. But why is that? Why would we be afraid, afraid of that? I think that would be just a wonderful opportunity. They're prepared to hear, they're prepared to listen, and even the idea that 15 people who were willing to come to a church, sit down with, non, with Christians and hear what you had to say, even that scares us, why? But it does, doesn't it? And I have to say, it really shouldn't, but it does. You probably wouldn't be excited. You'd probably be terrified. Would you know exactly how you'd approach the conversation, or would you have no idea what to say? Why is that? Why do we struggle? When it comes to this idea of engaging non-christians with the gospel here's something I need you to hear today please hear this if you don't hear anything else hear this okay the Spirit of God who I've already said indwells you if you are a child of God you have the Holy Spirit it's not that you slept through the distribution of the Holy Spirit you don't have him with you he's with you and one of the things he does is he empowers he emboldens right he empowers and he emboldens for mission. And so I think more likely it's a matter of trust. Do you feel or not feel empowered or emboldened? The Spirit is with you. He will do this, but do we trust him? You know, the mother bird doesn't shove its baby out of the nest and just hope for the best, right? She does so knowing full well that the baby bird can fly. It just has to trust and do it. We have been given everything we need with the Holy Spirit. He will give us the words to say. He will give us the confidence to speak. Not confidence in ourselves, but confidence in him. So why have you not experienced the power and the boldness that the Spirit gives? And here's the question. Could it be because you don't step out in trust to share the gospel? Are you afraid he won't be there when you do? I'm going to do it. But what if he's not there? Maybe he just won't show up. Maybe he's busy tending to other matters. Right? It's just better if we don't even start. That couldn't be more wrong. Friends, we need to get out of the stinking nest. We need to trust that we can do in the power of the Spirit the things that God says we could do. He doesn't just say we could do them. He commands we do it. And he's given us everything we need. And the Spirit does empower and embolden for ministry. He gives us the words to say. He gives us the confidence we need in the moment. And he is the power at work, not just in us, but in those who we share the gospel with. The Spirit empowers and emboldens. And it's because of that that I could give you the last fact about the Holy Spirit from our text. Here's what it is. The Spirit wins the day. You don't have to worry about winning the day. The Spirit wins the day. We see this in the last verse of our text. When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. You know, we can think, wow, what a great evangelist Paul was. It's a good thing he was there for that. If it was me, it would never have happened. You know, that that Paul, man. Man, yay, Paul. Paul. It's not about Paul. Again, it wouldn't matter if it was somebody else that the Spirit had commissioned. Because as we've seen, as we've gone this entire way, through this text, it is the Holy Spirit at every turn. And so the end result also belongs to him. If not for the Spirit, the Great Commission would be a cruel joke. I'm going to say that again. Hear me. If not for the Holy Spirit, the Great Commission to make disciples of all nations would be a really sick joke on Jesus' part. The army does not send soldiers to war without guns. That's just the way it is, right? Uh, The schools do not send teachers into the classrooms without education, right? We don't send firefighters to fires without water. If you're commissioning somebody to a task, you equip them for it. And in the same way that Jesus has commissioned us to a task, he has given us everything we need to be successful at what he has called us to. God does not send people on mission without the Spirit. He goes before, he goes with, he goes behind. He draws, he prepares, he convicts. He empowers and he emboldens the believers who are sharing the gospel. The victory belongs to God. The Spirit wins the day. And so, friends, again, the Spirit equips for ministry. So you need to ask the question, what are my gifts? What are the ways in which the Holy Spirit has gifted me specifically? As a member right here at Belgrade Alliance Church, I am a part of the body of Christ. The Spirit has given me something to contribute to this family. It's different than that person's gifting or that person's gifting or that person's gifting. There's a unique calling I have right here. What is it? What is your ministry? How can you find out? Well, I'd start with prayer. I'd get involved. Start serving in different ways and you'll be amazed. As you begin to serve, you start to see strengths you did not know you had. And you will discover the gifting that the Spirit has given you. Pray that he might open your mind to that as you do. The Spirit sends on mission. You know, but it's one of these things, you know, we, it seems like we haven't said, when was the last time we sent a student or a young person off to, to, mission, to, to the mission field? When was the last time we sent anybody off to the mission field as a, as a church here? It was before I got here seven years ago. I have no idea how long ago it was. Why are we not sending? Why are people not going? Are we listening? Has God just stopped sending from Belgrade Alliance Church? Or have we just stopped listening? Do you have a sober understanding of the fate of the lost? If they died today apart from Christ, what happens to them? Are you moved with compassion for their state? Perhaps it's not so much, is the Spirit sending me, but where is the Spirit sending me? To whom is the Spirit sending me? Because I'll agree, not everybody in here is being commissioned off to overseas missions. God doesn't call everybody to the same task. But I guarantee you, he's calling you to someone. Even if that someone is right next door or across the street. Are we listening? The Spirit empowers and emboldens Do I have enough trust in the Spirit to step out in obedience to the Great Commission? Will I do what I've been told to do? Do I trust that he will show up? Do I trust that he'll be with me? Do I trust that regardless of how the conversation goes or what the person decides, that the Holy Spirit has been and continues to work? The battle truly is his. Do I trust that the boldness The confidence will be there when I step out in faith. You know, I'll tell you, especially earlier on, uh, about seven years ago when I started doing pulpit supply here at the church, I I had come from not preaching regularly, right? I was doing pulpit supply every now and then, uh, but I had been a number of years out of ministry. And I I could describe for you that sick feeling in my stomach as I walked up here to the pulpit and began my sermons. And about 10 seconds into it, that just melted away. Not because I'm an amazing speaker, because I know I'm not, but because the Spirit of God is the one who calls and equips for the tasks that he appoints us to. Because he is the one ultimately at work, not just in what comes from here, but in your hearts and minds as he works on you and continues this work of sanctification. We all have a role to play, but he's the one who does the work, right? And as we go out and share the gospel, the same is true. You don't have to be the best evangelist. You don't have to be the most eloquent speaker. But you do have to be obedient. And guess what? He'll show up. He always does. In fact, he's there before you get there. Do I trust that the boldness, the confidence will be there when I step out in faith? And remember the last, the spirit wins the day. Am I excited for the opportunity to watch him work? to partner with him, and what God's going to do with or without you, do I get to be blown away that God has incorporated me into this moment and let me see with my own eyes the way he changes lives. What a great privilege we have. Don't shortchange yourself. Step into those moments. Give us another thing to celebrate together as a church family as God changes lives and eternal destinies through you, his child. What a great blessing we have.